Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and this is Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. Today on the program, I speak with comedian and writer Stan Tillowee about his experience with anxiety and depression. Here he is talking about the longevity of the therapeutic process. Yeah, like 2013, I started going to therapy, and I, I oddly enough, now is when I'm starting to, I'm like, I'm realizing, oh, this is a subtle change. A year or two ago, I would have never advocated for myself the way I have been the last few weeks, yeah. the last few days even. Like, like the my last session was Monday, and my therapist pointed out, she was like, I hear confidence because I, I, I got... It took, you know, something happening at work for me to be like, yo, I don't deserve this. You know what I mean? Like, I deserve better than this or at least something different. Like, why am I know I'm talented. I belong somewhere where I'm using my talent. I don't see a future here. It's great for now. It's fine for now. It pays the bills. But I could be doing something better for the same for something else for the same amount of money. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would say, like, if you're thinking about going to therapy or if you're in therapy and you don't feel like it's it's taking you anywhere give it time man because it'll it'll come you can support this podcast on patreon you can go to patreon.com slash tristan j miller for early access to unedited interviews our theme song is by billy conahan it is to be or not off of the album leaving with intent to fly Available wherever fine music is sold. Stan's one of my best friends, and I hope you enjoy him as much as I do. When did you start doing comedy? 2010. 2010. February. It was like the second second Monday. So whatever that day would have been. It was a Monday. So whatever that date is, I I always know. Uh, Because it was... I was working uh, at Central Booking... Uh, I was working seven to three, and my days off were Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I I don't need to wake up early tomorrow morning. So I would, I my the very first open mic I went to was at Eastfield Comedy Club. I got to work at three. There was like a little cafe. I went and got lunch or whatever, like an early dinner, whatever that would be, and then I mid got, meal. Yeah, a midday meal. I had, I got two. Long Island iced teas, because back then I couldn't get on stage without drinking. Hmm. So I I got real drunk, and then I went. I walked over to Eastfield Comedy Club. I think the mic was at either five or six. Okay. And then I signed up, and then I didn't suck, and I was like, all right, here we go. So yeah, it's been like eleven years now. Okay. Well, when did you stop needing to drink before you went on stage? What's the story there? Probably. All right. So I did this show. I I produced the show at Eastville. And so it would have been because I took I took like two years off from between 2012 and 2014. And why? Because I was working overnight. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I went back to work at Central Booking. and Mm. I was working nights this time. And like I was booking. What is that? So, uh, uh, that's where you, when you get arrested, that's where they take you. Oh, okay, uh, so to put you on the books. Yeah, so like, um, every borough has one. Mm. I worked in Manhattan twice. Mm. Um, basically, the Manhattan Criminal Courthouse is where okay. I Okay. But like, we, what I, so the, comp- the company I worked for was called the Criminal Justice Agency, right? And you would, uh, we, 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 I don't know if they, if they do, because bail reform and everything, but basically, somebody gets arrested they, there's a thing called uh, ROR. It stands for Re- Release on Recognizance. And the judge uses it uh, sometimes as a recommendation. Okay. So they'll be like, uh, I, uh, the lawyers will be like, well, uh, the court rec- recommends ROR. So that mm-hmm. basically means the court recommends that this person can go home without having to pay bail. Okay. Because um, th- the whole idea was money shouldn't be the reason you can't go home. You yeah, I mean? yeah. So essentially, it, uh, all the questions that we would ask, it was the same questions we asked everybody. It was like mm. this, they called it an interview, but it was basically, it was basically the same questions. Um, address, phone number, 
Uh, who do you live with? Are you working full-time or part-time? Are you in school full-time or part-time? Are you in the military? Mm-hmm. Those are basically rudimentary questions. So the idea behind it is if you have a home or someplace, someplace you live, whatever, and you've been there for you know, X amount of time, you live with somebody, you have a, fo- a working phone, you have a job, whether it's full-time or part-time, you're in school full-time or part-time, there are, you have all these reasons that you need to come back for court. Because, like, you don't want to, you're not going to fuck up whatever you're doing. You're not going to Yeah, yeah, if you have a job, yeah, Yeah. you'll show up. You're responsible. Exactly. You just made a mistake. Exactly. Um, So each question has, like, it's like, it's on a point system. So, like, uh, if you have everything that that qualifies, you get, I think, what, like, somewhere between six and nine points or whatever it is. And then, let's say you're homeless. Mm. Those people are less likely to be recommended for ROR. Yeah. Because they have nothing to lose. What are they going to come back come back to court for? Yeah, so yeah. So those yeah. people, not always, but sometimes they get they get bail, which is unfortunate, but mm-hmm. it is what it is, right? So I I went I took two years off because I was working overnight, and like mm-hmm. I would do spots here and there, but like barely. Yeah. Maybe like once a month, I I'd, I'd have a spot, um, and then when I came back, like 2014, I got another job, so I I, I started back up at uh at New York Comedy Club. Um, started doing mics and like our audition there and all and everything. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I had watched a video of a show that I did uh, at Israel. Yeah, I was drunk and I was high. Oof. I was laughing before punchlines. My my skin was blotchy. It was right around when I kind of when I when I when I started losing weight because I found I was a diabetic. Yeah. So I watched that video. I think it's on YouTube actually. Somebody posted it that uh, I didn't, but uh, yeah. And I was like, I don't want to look like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, uh, I'm going to start doing sober sets. Great. Just like, and then, like, I, I realized the the adrenaline of, like, even now still sometimes, like, mm-hmm. depending on the show, who's there. Yeah. Um, like, the adrenaline gets me, gets me going more yeah. than the alcohol did, really. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like it also makes you have a sharper focus. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Like, when I started, I couldn't, I, if, I remember I did a show at Laugh Lounge back when it was still open, um, R.I.P., uh, and back at, back then, I could not, I had to tell the jokes the same way, mm-hmm. the same order, and if I fuck that up, I'm done. I'm yeah. Toast. That's how, that happened to me twice. I did, I did a show at Laugh Lounge where, like, halfway through my set, I was doing seven, Halfway through my set, I forgot what I was doing. I forgot my train of thought. Lost it. Ooh. So luckily at, at Laugh Lounge, I uh, there was a table in front of me, right in front of me. These three three women, they were eating fries or whatever. I grabbed a handful of fries off mm-hmm. their plate. And this is how you know it was pre-fucking COVID and shit. Yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, you did the other night that's eat, true. Pizza I did eat pizza from at somebody. Tiny Cupboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that seems to be a trend because I did that at Governor's as well. I just, <laughs> somebody somebody just, I just took a... A piece of steak off of somebody's plate. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stop doing that. <laughs> so you were diabetic, yeah. you say. <laughs> <laughs> so uh I kinda just like the I guess the 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 shock value yeah, of yeah. Like, me grabbing fries off of like and then I used that time to kinda like re mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, this is what I was saying. And it happened to me another time at my at my old college. There was a it was after I graduated. Um, they did, it was this, this kind of competition thing and like the winner got to go on the road or something. I forgot what it was, but, uh, they, they, so I was like, all right, it's my alma mater. I'll go. Yeah. Uh, Chris Stefano was headlining. Oh, sure. And by then we, he and I were, were pretty cool. Um, so like, you know, I got to kind of chop it up with him a little bit. Uh, same thing happened halfway through my set. I was doing seven, like somewhere along the line. I was like, I don't remember what I was saying. And. I'm not gonna say it's the reason I didn't make, I didn't, I didn't win or whatever. But mm. I, looking back, it, it didn't help. If I, you yeah. put me in that situation now, I'm like, I, I would have crushed it. Yeah. So the, uh, the drinking before show was that to calm your nerves? Yeah. Are you a nervous person? Do you think? Um, yeah, yeah. I get it. It's like, like I, even now, like depending on the show, like if I do a show and I like, I'm fine. I'm pretty confident in my skills or whatever. But yeah. Like if I if you told me like the show I did at Foulmouth right, had you told me that Emilio from New York Comedy Club was gonna be there, 
Oh, sure. I probably would have bombed. Or I, I would have been like, all right, let me get a beer and then whatever. Mm-hmm. And I did have a beer. Like, I can have a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I used to get Sloppy. drunk. Yeah. Um, And, like, I just... So interesting. It, yeah, it comes from just wanting to be... Like, even now, I get, I, I get... It's not about nerves, really. I just want to do well in front of somebody that I, res- that I respect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it really depends on who's there. Sure. But in life, are you nervous? Like, on your yeah. daily? Yeah. About uh, what? Anything, really. Like, <laughs> the other night, where, at, at your hour. Yeah. I was sitting there, and I was with Sammy. I was done as far as, uh, you know, I had introduced you already. Yeah, yeah. So I was good. But she had to, she put her leg on my, her hand on my leg because my leg was just shaking. I just do that because like I notice, um, I bite my nails a lot and then Mm -hmm. I'll think about it like, okay, I I become self-aware. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm biting my nails. What's going on? Why am I biting my nails? And I'll think about, okay, maybe like I do a lot at work. Like if my boss is around, like I'll notice that I'm biting my nails more. Interesting. Or like, uh, uh. Like if I'm if I'm late to something, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll start fucking with my hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, little things like that. So I think I'm a generally nervous person. Why? Why do you think that is? I don't know. Terrible parenting. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna, no, I'm not gonna be my mom. But no, I think uh, I don't know. That's a good question because it's it's because I I don't know that I have much to be nervous about. But it's just like it's just I'm just a tense person. Well, I would say you did go to like an all Catholics. That's funny. Yeah. You know, that might be it. I went boys, to Catholic school. Yeah, I went to boys Catholic school. Boys, high school. Yeah, from first grade through high school, I went to a Catholic school, and for high school, it was yeah. It was and that was rough, right? Like fair amount of like posturing. Yeah, you had to prove yourself. Yeah, I played football. I mean, I was always the funny guy. I was always like, I never. It's it's interesting because uh, the the demographics of my high school in my head mm-hmm. like are very different to what they really were. Sure. Yeah. So it was like my, my just my senior class, I would say out of we started with two hundred and ten to one hundred seventy nine graduated. Um, I would say there were maybe fifty black people hmm. in our in our class. Out that, of that's, like that's probably a lot. That's probably out of out of one seventy nine. Okay. Like if I if I had my yearbook, I could probably count. Like it may it might be less, mm-hmm. but. Um, our our cafeteria was really segregated, right? Yeah. And I hung out with the black kids. I hung out with the white kids. I hung out with Spanish kids, the Greek kids, the mm-hmm. football team, the basketball team. Like, there wasn't... I And I, st- I noticed that about me now. Like, I still... I don't like to be not liked. Mm. You know? I think maybe that's where the nerves might come from. I don't like... And I don't like... I don't like the idea of somebody out there having a negative uh, idea uh-huh. of me. Uh-huh. Does that get in the way of succeeding when you're doing stand-up? Um, because if you want the audience to be on your side, sometimes they can sense that, and they're like, this person. Right. It might, actually, now that, you know, not you, if you bring it up, because, like... No, I don't want to make you nervous next no, time no, you no. go up. <laughs> no, but, no, but now it's because, you know, nobody likes to bomb, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So you, you ever see somebody, like, when an audience member turns on them or, like, they're mm-hmm. not laughing... Or they're not paying attention, you'll see like, like, uh, and I used to do this a lot. Like, uh, my first maybe year and a half, I did a show, and I used to, I used to use this excuse that like black crowds don't really get my humor, and I mm-hmm. it's just because mm-hmm. I was new, I mm-hmm. wasn't I wasn't funny yet, but like I did a show in Jamaica Queens, and my friend, uh, uh, he's a DJ, G Money, he we went to high school together. He put in a word for me to, to do this show, right? Yeah. And it was this guy, um, Omar Thompson. He's he goes by Omar the comedian. He um, he's still around. He uh, he was actually he he was in. He, I think he might write for Michael Che's oh, okay. uh, show, HBO show. I'm not sure, but he was he was on a few episodes, right? Uh, he was the host. It was his show, and he was. I'm not gonna say it was a big deal, but like he was. Around. Yeah, it was a fuss. He's yeah. a comic, and he's still a comic. I shouldn't say it was, but. Um, I wasn't good and I knew at one point during the show, I was like, oh, this isn't going well. Yeah. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta do something I know works. And I did, I was like, first off, there was a guy right out front with, right in front with an eye patch. Right. And, 
<laughs> I was like, oh, guys, look, it's a pirate. Yeah. And nobody left. And I was like, fuck. Okay. And then I did this. I did this joke. It's not even. I can't even. It's not even my joke. I just. It was something I. I have. I used to say. Uh, and I'm. You know. I'm good at crowd work. Yeah. At the time, I wasn't yet. And I point. I pointed to a woman right up front, and I said, right up front, and I said, uh, "What's the difference between peanut butter and jam?" And she's like, "What?" And I was like, "I can't peanut butter my dick in your butt." Mm-hmm. Silence. Yeah. And that that wrecked me. Yeah. It like it was one of the few times I've ever gone up. And not wanted to get back on stage. I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Uh huh. Like as soon as possible. You know? And how'd you weather that? I think I, I, I not that I, I mean, I wasn't booked on anything for a while. I didn't do an open mic for like another week. So I was like, all right, I just, like, and then after like, you know, like a week and a half, I was like, okay, well, that happened. Yeah. And at that point, I put it in my head that I was like, oh, I can't do those, those shows. I can't do black shows. Mm-hmm. Which wasn't true. I just wasn't funny yet. Now, you know, nine, ten years later, I, I'm obviously I'm better than that. But I would never. I'm not I like as soon as I, I'm, I'm off stage, I want to get back up. Oh yeah. No matter what it is, I could bomb. I'm like, all right. Now let me fix I, it. Yeah, yeah. Now let me figure out what I did wrong and fix it right. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the nerves. I mean, I don't think I don't think it holds me back anymore. I think if anything, it pushes me because. Uh, it's funny. Um, I did a show at New York Comedy Club a while back, years ago. Um, and it was, um, I think it was either Paid or Pain or another one. But there were judges. Yeah. Jordan Carlos was one of them. I think, I can't remember who the other ones were. But I was like, I was nervous about it because, you know, judges. And I'm especially Jordan Carlos I'm a fan of. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do well in front of them. Especially being at the club and everything, I I wanted to do well at the club. I always liked doing well at New York Comedy Club, and um, Phil from Chico, who did our show, yeah, recently, yeah, yeah, like he saw that I was visible. Like my my, you could hear my heartbeat. Mm-hmm. My, like I, you can't tell me that someone standing five feet away from me couldn't have heard, couldn't yeah. hear my heart. I, it was deafening. <laughs> so he like walked up to me. He's like he like kind of tapped tapped me in the chest. He's like, you got this. Use that. He's like, use like, yo, it's like, mm-hmm. he could. So I went up, I did my thing. I was, you know, I, I did my set and I did, it went well. Mm-hmm. So I think ever since then, I've always been like, okay, I'm nervous, but I'm going to use it. I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, all right, let me, let yeah. me, let me, let me use it. Let me make this the reason that I do well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. What about in your daily life? Does it get in the way? Yeah. Like, um, not just stand up, like, Probably, I probably, I think it, I think it, I think it, it, it sort of gets in the way more in my regular life than on stand, than in stand up because, uh, same thing. I just don't, I don't like to be not liked. Yeah. But like it, it does get in the way because I'm just like, no, 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 that's not who I like. You know, I'm. It almost feels like, like I don't stand up for myself in times. Because I might do something and somebody might think that I'm a certain way, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, nah, I don't want that. Where do you think that comes from? That's my mom. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. What yeah. I I don't know how. I'm not sure how yet, but it's definitely <laughs> my mom. I, and your mom's you're a second M generation immigrant, right? Your mom is from from Haiti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, is do you think that's a a cultural thing at all, or like? Yeah, yeah. I think like I I had therapy the other night, and I'm disco- I'm still discovering things that like like my mom has kind of instilled in me whether on purpose or not but like mm-hmm. like for instance i um i have a weird sense of loyalty to jobs yeah 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 like i stick around at jobs way longer than i should whether i deserve to whether i need to be there or not mm-hmm. like i'm the kind of person where if i like if i if i if i feel like i want to quit a job i'm like well if i don't if i quit who's going to do my job Some who's going to do it and then I, it's it's a constant battle because yeah, yeah. in my head I'm like, well, who's gonna do the job? And then my other side of my head is like, if you die tomorrow, they're gonna find somebody else. Yeah, yeah. They'll roll your if you die at work, they'll <laughs> roll your body out of the way and get someone to like. <laughs> I remember when I worked at Uber, uh, I worked at Uber at the Green Light in Long Island City, right? I gotten fired because I was late all the time. Yeah, fucking seven train got in the way, uh, but I was always late, and. 
I remember like a week after or like a few days after my last day because mm-hmm. they told me well in advance, which was kind of funny. Uh, so um, a, like maybe a few days after I, my last day, the chair that I normally sit in, mm-hmm. they kind of like memorialized it. They put like a <laughs> T-shirt there and like, yeah. like nobody's sitting in this chair. And I'm like, oh, that's 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 nice. And then I stopped hearing from people there. I'm just like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is exactly what I expected. Yeah, you know, once the novelty of me not being around and oh, the funny guy, you know, Stan mm. was always I, I could see it. Like, oh, Stan's I I, I miss Stan. Stan was funny. Mm-hmm. Like once that wears off, you know, whatever you you everybody can find someone to replace somebody else. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So, um, but my mom, I I because of. You know, she's she's an immigrant and she's done like a lot of, you know, shitty jobs. Yeah. And, you know, she instilled that in me. You should be grateful for having having work. And like it's not just her. It's her generation. Like your your parents probably. Oh, yeah. A lot, sure. a lot similar where you're they're like, you know, you work at a job for 20, 25 years. You get your pension and you that's it. And that just doesn't exist anymore. You've talked pretty openly about like getting depressed before yeah. and being in slumps yeah when did that first start happening i so i've always not always but like i think the first i've noticed it i started noticing it as i got into my 30s really but yeah um but looking back because of therapy i've been able to you know really look back and i i the first time i was probably depressed and didn't know i was probably like 14 because mm. like and then i excused it away as like teen angst sure especially the music of the time this is like the late 90s early 2000s sure, yeah yeah and like i wasn't like a lot of like it, i was pretty different considering like all right if if i a lot of my friends i was very different from my friend from my friends put it that way mm-hmm. like i wasn't just listening to hip-hop and i wasn't just listening to certain things and like i wasn't just watching certain i was like very much an outlier like i joke about mm-hmm. Like growing up watching anime and being yeah, the only one, yeah. and like I'm sure a lot of my friends watch anime. Did we just couldn't talk about it? Nobody yeah. talked about it. So, um, the first time I remember being, I the first time I think I was depressed. I can't say I remember because I don't know if I was depressed. I don't know if I knew I was depressed at the time. Yeah, but I was like maybe 14, 15 years old. Uh, I was listening to. It was right around Warp Tour and Stained and Limp Biscuit had had a yeah they had a it was a live version of uh, Behind Blue Eyes and I heard that song and I got real sad mm-hmm. real real sad and I like I just kind of like whatever and then it's actually funny thinking about it now uh the maybe like the summer before high school so I was I just turned fourteen maybe mm-hmm. uh I was watching. Or maybe the summer before eighth grade, I was watching TV and then just whatever. And there was an episode. Remember Magilla Gorilla? Yeah. The Hanna Barbera cartoon. Yeah. So, uh, there's an episode where I I don't know if he lives in a beach town or 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 if that he just happened to be at one, but uh, all these like teenagers come into town for the summer and he learns how to surf and it's like mm-hmm. he's having a great summer and then the su- end of the summer comes and everybody leaves and I don't remember the song but there's like this weird it's like it, every time I hear it or anytime I hear anything that sounds like it it, it I go back to that mm-hmm. like um, if I listen to the mamas and the papas oh yeah it puts me in a, in a weird mood because I'm mm-hmm. like oh something I'm like it's something ha- something bad's happening or like something mm-hmm. good is ending yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's probably the the first time I was depressed. I was probably, like, 14, 15 years old. Okay. But you said you've been realizing more in your 30s. Yeah. Because, I, like, I started, I started therapy in 2014, 2015. Okay. And um, that's when I, I realized the things I'd been feeling were depression. Mm. Like, I realized that. I was like, yo, why am I always sad? around christmas and that's when my, my therapist told me oh it's probably seasonal depression mm-hmm. and um i had i had pretty good health insurance at the time my therapy was covered uh my doctor would prescribe me like i i'm i'm on i still have some i'm on um like a very high dose of vitamin d 
Oh, sure. Which we should all be in the Northeast. Like, yeah. Because we, we get no sun, especially when it's the, the once daylight savings comes, right? So uh, my that's when my therapist was like, yeah, that's probably seasonal seasonal depression. And um, like it always comes, it, and it comes from like, it probably like has something to do with growing up, like you said, working class where like I felt bad if I can't, I, I still feel bad. If I can't get somebody something for Christmas, like it, I feel terrible about it. Yeah. Um, so I think as I got into my thirties, started going to therapy, you know, I started, ther- started going to therapy more. I started realizing, oh, that's what this is. That's depression. I've been calling it something else. I've been, I've been like excusing it as something else. I'm just like, ah, you know, and then you find ways to distract yourself. I play yeah. video games or whatever it is. And then stand up that definitely helps. Mm-hmm. But now I have a name for what I, what this is. Was that a relief? I think so. In a way, it was uh, to to know, but like when I started going to therapy, my, like I told my mom, like she, because like, I used to, you know, I, obviously I went in person to start, um, and uh, she's like, "What do you need therapy for? You're not crazy." Yeah, and uh, that's I mean that's a very traditional old school sort of mentality when it comes to for, and then I'm coming, I'm starting to realize now that my mom probably could benefit from therapy more than anybody else that I know. Yeah, it is unfortunate. I feel like a lot of the time the people that could benefit from it most deny it. Yeah. Because and you know, cuz it's a defense mechanism. We go, well, I don't need that. Yeah. And and it's like, well, the reason you're saying that is because you probably could use someone to talk to. Right. So, you, was there a big pushback from, from my mom? From your mom? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was not like but she at that point I was already like, you know, an adult so (laughs) and she wasn't paying for it so it didn't really i was just like whatever like you don't yeah yeah. you don't like it um so no there was a ton of pushback because she was like well you know what do you what do you need therapy for like and my mom's super religious too so Mm. that's the other thing so she's like she's like what do you need therapy you could just pray and i was like that's essentially what i'm doing to 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 somebody real Did it make you feel disappointed in yourself? Did she go on like, therapy? Or yeah, the, yeah. What my mom says. Yeah. Did your mom like? Did you uh, consider quitting because of your no, mom? No. 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 Oh, okay. No. Um, I think there's also this interesting thing that like sometimes when a child goes to therapy or needs some sort of help, that a parent will project onto that child like, "Oh, you think I did a bad job?" Yeah. 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 I don't know if she felt that. My mom is pretty stubborn and like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, I didn't fuck you up. You, that's on you. Uh, <laughs> so. But she I did raise you more or less by herself, right? Yeah. my So, and that, it's funny too. I'm, I'm finding out things more and more as I get, as I get older. So like, uh, apparently this is what happened. I was, before I was born, my dad was like, I don't want no kids. And he bounced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Right. And then he came back when I was two. This is, what I'm, this is what people are telling me. I don't know how true it is, but he came back when I was two. So all I know from the from what I remember was my dad was around. Then my dad left when I was 11. Right? Uh-huh. And uh, there's that joke that I've been doing, like that I do sometimes where it's like uh, I was a Cub Scout mm-hmm. and I trail mix one day and I, th- I threw up on my dad while he was taking a shit naked. And I was like, I remember I was like, I asked my dad, I was like, is that why you left? He was like, nah, but it probably didn't help. so uh so all i know is my dad was around and now i'm finding out this other stuff and like i mean there's more to like i talked to my dad about it he was like he grew up my dad was very blunt when Mm -hmm. he moved out he told me your mom is just difficult to live with and then i didn't understand that until i got older and i was like oh yeah yeah she is she definitely (laughs) yeah from the as far as like having two parents around now my my like not my not that my dad didn't help my dad paid if i needed you know money for school tuition clothes whatever my dad was always there he just didn't want to physically be around right right it's funny too because my mom used to use that as a threat my mom used to say like if i had bad grades yeah or if i got into a fight at school whatever she threatened me to go she'd she'd say "I'm, i'm gonna go send you live with your dad that's weird. I, and then I, because, you know, when you're a kid and somebody uses like that as, as a threat, mm-hmm. like you're like, oh, well, that's why are you saying it like that. That's probably not good. I don't want I don't want that. Yeah. Is, yeah. I know this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what that is. 
When in, in reality, I, I, I probably should have. <laughs> I, I mean, I probably should have went to live with my dad. It probably would have been great. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like by the time she used to, she would do that. I, my dad had another son and like he, I could have grown up with like a, with a little brother. Like, all the, I, I mean, not that I did. I, my cousins were young enough where yeah. it was like that, but like, but still it's like, it's, the, it's kind of shitty that my mom yeah. used my dad. Dude, wow, this is, I gotta talk to my therapist about this. <laughs> uh, no, like, yeah, that's it's kind of shitty that my mom kind of used my dad as a threat. And was yeah. like, I I don't know if I would have turned out any differently. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. maybe I probably would have been a little bit better off just because my dad, my dad's super supportive. Um, I. I I I I discovered my talent for writing because of my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, it was through fear in a way. But like, because one day I was in third grade and I had a book report to do about JFK. Right, I read okay. a book about JFK. I had to do the book. About how it was all rigged. Right, it was all inside job. Right, I wrote about the Zapruder film. Actually, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, imagine that third grade, you're writing about the Zapruder film. Back into the left. Back into the left. Uh, <laughs> so my dad came home it was a friday i had finished all my homework right and my dad never came home early so it was like kind of surprising he came home he's like what are you doing i'm like watching tv he's like you have any homework to do i was like no he's like you sure i was like yeah i'm sure he's like you don't have anything to do i was like well i guess i have a book report he's like all right do that i was like all right so turned the tv off did his book report handed it in like two weeks early mm-hmm. i got an a plus and i was like Oh, okay, I think I'm good at this. Yeah. I think I'm pretty good at this. And then I started seeking out creative writing challenges in school. Like mm-hmm. like I I figured I I learned I knew I I knew that I read at a higher level than I was in. That I, I always read 2 or 3 grades above my reading level. Yeah. And my writing reflected that. Yeah. So, once I figured out that I had a talent for this, I was like, okay, then that was the that's why I early on I I knew I wanted to be a, become a journalism major I wanted to be a media major because mm-hmm. I was like you know if, if journalism hadn't died and while I was in college I probably would have yeah. been writing for the Daily News right now but that was my goal I was like I'm gonna be a sports writer because oh. I like sports I like writing I'm gonna do that I got to high school I became I wrote for I wrote for the for the school paper sports mm-hmm. I got to college the first thing I did. I, I like I rose up the ranks pretty quickly in college as a as a writer. Um, I should have I probably should have gone to a more competitive school for journalism, but thank God I didn't because journalism died. So my dad is the reason I'm I'm good at that. My dad is not the reason I started doing stand up, but like he he'll watch clips of me doing stand up and like he'll comment sometimes mm-hmm. or like I'll talk to my dad. He's like I saw you did a show blah blah blah. I was like. My mom doesn't couldn't couldn't give any less of a fuck. Like my mom could not care less. I have relatives that have seen me do. St- I have cousins. One of my cousins told his mom that I've been doing stand up and I'm really funny. Mm-hmm. His mom told my mom, and my mom was like, uh, "So and so told me uh, you're telling jokes." And I'm like, "I what? Uh, Eleven years, mom. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yes." Yes. So, do you think that attitude is why you want people to like you? I, I yeah, I think. Yeah, like, I think we solved it. Yeah, I think we. Figured, I think we got to the bottom of it. Uh, <laughs> no, I like. I and I, I. I joke about this all the time because, like, when I okay, when I started doing stand up, I I had, I had, I met Pete Davidson, right? And he was yeah, fifteen. Yeah. He was fifteen when I met him. His mom would come to shows. I've met other. I I mean, you. you I, I'm talking about. I've met. When I met Britney, and Britney, uh, like not even, not not long after yeah. I'd met her, her, her folks came. Her to parents show. came came to shows. I can tell you, name after like a lot of good comics. My parents have seen my hour three times. Yeah, as many times as I have. Yeah, that's crazy. That's nuts. And they don't even. Are you my mom? I I, I might be your dad. <laughs> uh, no, but like, it's it, is it crazy? Like, my mom. I, I people have asked me if my mom has ever seen me do stand up, and I tell them every single time. The only time my mom will ever see me do stand up is if it's on TV, and I physically put it on for her. Like if if I ever get a Netflix special, I'm gonna have to go to my mom's <sighs> house, re-download Netflix onto her Roku, <laughs> sit her down, and be like, "Don't do anything for the next hour. 
I'll do it. And that's the only way she'll ever watch. Oh, my She gosh. just won't. She just, I mean. No interest or? No. No. No she, interest in stand-up or no interest in what you're up to? Um... A little bit, a little bit of both. I don't okay. think growing up, my mom wasn't like she like the thing. My mom is very like she likes Bonanza. Oh sure, she yeah, watches yeah, yeah, like yeah. old westerns and mm. shit, and like you know, Andy she, Griffith, that kind right? Of she stuff. watches that or anything like church related. She those are the things she's into. So okay. she's not really into stand up. Like my dad is the reason I got into stand up because my dad had like cassettes, like uh, mm-hmm. video cassettes of like Richard Pryor and like Eddie Murphy and like. I would watch those. So, like, I don't think he, like, purposely, like, hey, to watch these. It was just he had them around, and I would watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't even watch them together, to be honest with you. It was just, like, I picked it up. Um, and then, you know, my mom, like, will watch something funny, but not, she won't seek it out. If it's on, she'll be like, like, she told me something. She's, <laughs> she saw See No, Hero, See no Evil, Hear No Evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great for the movie. first time, like, a couple of years ago. It just was on. <laughs> And she's like, oh, this is really funny. And I was like, that guy died. Like, he died, I mean, these, both these people are dead now, mom. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> like where have you minute. been? Yeah, where have you been? Like, <laughs> if you, like, like, just, I, I, I'm still not sure what her sense of humor is, really. Like, she used to, we used to watch Nutty Professor together. But, like, yeah. she just laughed because she thought Eddie Murphy was funny. It wasn't like, you know, it was like, things like that. So, it's that. She's not really into comedy like that, especially not stand-up. Mm-hmm. She's also like, like. My mom's question, whenever I do a show, my mom's question is always, did they pay you? Yeah. That's always it. Do you consider yourself a writer first and a comic second? Or, cause... I, I, I used to. Yeah. I think, I think I can do both. I, think, I do think I'm a better writer than comic. Mm. I think I'm... I, think I'm I, can, I, I can think of something funny. I can write something funny for someone else. But I can't necessarily do that funny thing. Sure. But in the same vein, I write for myself. So yeah. I think I think I'm a good comic. I think I'm a better writer, but I don't know if I'm one or the other. Does the depression ever get in the way of uh, performing and writing? Yeah. I hasn't it hasn't in a while. Like so last winter I got I got fired. Uh, yeah, I remember that. I, I was as depressed as I've ever been. I didn't if I like there's time if I get real depressed, I won't I won't shower i won't go i just stay like when i was in my mom's place there was um it was right around when i got fired from uber and i think i'm starting to notice a trend i get depressed when i get fired um i mean that's understandable yeah. it's an ego blow right and specifically if you're like i want people to like me right being fired is the ultimate like we yeah, don't like yeah, you. we don't want you to do we, we, we don't, don't we don't like you so much we don't want you around right right forget not paying you we don't even want you <laughs> here we wouldn't let you volunteer. <laughs> so there was, I remember when I got fired from Uber, it, like I, I, I was looking for a job and like, but like I really wasn't. And yeah. at the same time, I had gotten ghosted by this girl. And I, when I tell you, I didn't do anything for two weeks. Mm-hmm. No mics. No, I didn't write nothing. I just, I woke up, watched TV, ate, went back to sleep. And then your sleep schedule gets all weird because you're staying up till four o'clock in the morning, and oh, like yeah. it's, all, it's all that thing, right? Um, and then last winter happened again, um, so I got fired the Monday between Christmas and New Year's, mm-hmm. whatever that day was. I think it was the twenty eighth, and I literally I went into the office. To, they told me I I they, I bypassed like they didn't even tell me to go to the like I so the elevator as soon as I got to the front desk the security guy was like they need to see you on the third floor as soon as I saw that I was like well that's it like cause and I left my fucking iPhone charger I couldn't even get that back but it's fine um like not even like a clear out your desk kind of thing so I just um uh I went right back home and I was I, had, I was living on Dipmars. Went right back home. I took my clothes off, crawled into bed. I didn't get out of bed till maybe the next day. Wow! And I was just like, I was inconsolable because it was a job I really enjoyed. It was I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed everybody I worked. I worked with. Um. Uh, I I really liked the company, and it was like it wasn't hard. Like yeah. it was just I was fucking with jewelry all day. Mm-hmm. Like, and I I felt like a uh, I had a self, a sense of responsibility mm-hmm. like ownership of what i was doing 
And as soon as I was fired, I was like, I'm never going to get that again. Mm-hmm. That's the, the combination of be like a, a decent salary could want could, could always make more. But yeah. the combination of a decent salary, good work environment with people that I enjoy being around. Like a lot of the bits that I in the time that I worked there, a lot of the bits that I did on stage were developed working there. Cause like I like I had the freedom to be funny. Yeah. Like it and it wasn't like it took away from my work. I was like, this is funny, and I would just say it like casually, and then if I got a laugh, I was like, all right, I gotta write that down, mm-hmm. and it would turn into a bit. It would be something that I used on stage. So like once I once that was taken away from me, I was like, ah, this is. I was inconsolable. I was inconsolable, and it was it took a, it took a few weeks before I was like, okay. I should go to the gym. And the pro- the thing, luckily I had my therapist because I got real suicidal. Mm-hmm. So I see her once every couple weeks. Uh, once every two weeks. So she made me do group therapy online. And I did that for four months before I was like, all right, I think I'm good. Um, or at least I don't need this. I can, I can see my regular therapist. So um, in the, in the, in the depth of it though, that was it. I was, I, 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 I didn't do stand up, no open mics. I mean, granted, it was during during the pandemic, but still, like we were, we like we were doing stuff. Like those people, those people doing stuff. I could have gone to the park and done mm-hmm. the park mics, and like I was like, nah, 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 nah I don't want to do it. How'd you get out of it? Um, I mean, I just my therapist helped. She was just like, you know, talking to her, talk, doing the group thing, um. My my cousins helped. Um, I just I think what scared me was being unemployed, especially after I had moved out, and I was like, I cannot. And that's it's sort of the 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 reason I'm I'm I put myself in like not bad situations, but not ideal situations because I didn't want to be on unemployment. I didn't, I just, because of the way I, I grew up and yep. like all that stuff, I'm like, yep. I I feel like a failure. Because growing up, that's the stereotype. Yeah. Like there's an old joke. Uh, there's an old joke. I, I don't want to fuck it up, but it's like, how do you, how do you keep a, how do you keep a black guy from, a, from uh, applying for a job? Put the application in his, in his boots. It was something, something stupid like that. It's like, like work boots like something something yeah. something along those lines i don't remember what the joke was exactly but yeah. I, I was like there's always this stereotype of like you know you don't want to be the you know the black guy that's on unemployment or welfare things like mm-hmm. that when mm-hmm. those things are created to help you when you need them yeah yeah and i was talking to my dad initially and he's like listen number is that what one like? what is that what he sounds like a little bit <laughs> listen kid <laughs> I guess, listen, I have paid so much unemployment tax over my lifetime. If it makes you feel any better, you're taking my money and I'm your dad and I want yeah. you to help. Yeah. And then I thought about it. I was like, no, dad, I've put in so much there unemployment it money. Yeah. It's my money and I, and need, I need it, it now. now. And we got there. We got there. We got there. <laughs> no, it's, tr- it's true, man. Like, like, And I wish I had this. Ma- I had, wish I had that mindset. Whenever when I got when I got fired because yeah. I would have been like all right well it's December 2020 and I'm gonna ride this out yep and you know whatever it is what it is I've I've learned from that from that what I take what I what I've taken away from it is like okay I don't need to put up with anything I don't want to put up with none of us do you know like um. You asked me how I got out of it, and it was basically like, I was like, all right, well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta find the job. I gotta. I started going to the gym, mm-hmm. um, on Steinway. I was, I was like, uh, you know, I need to. I started. Um, I bought a, like, like with the extra money that I was getting. I bought a bunch of equipment. I started streaming on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, I was like, all right, I'm gonna start creating content. I'm like, this is what I'm gonna do, and like, I spent two days watching youtube videos how to like i got how to set up the elgato and like all that stuff and like um and then at that point i was like well i i should probably 
find a different place to live because I, this isn't really sustainable. Then I got a job. I took the I I I interviewed so many times, and uh, at, after a while, I I got to like February and March, and I was like, okay, now I need to I need mm-hmm. to find something. I didn't, but I need to find something. I took the first offer that came, and it turned out it wasn't the best offer, um, but I took it because I thought I needed it, and because I took it, I wasn't making as much. So I went from living alone to to you know moving in with roommates, and at thirty six, thirty seven years old, that wasn't ideal. Yeah. Um, and I'm I, like I'm very impulsive in that way. Mm. Like my first apartment, I it was the only it was like it was the they were the first per, first it was the first apartment to offer me. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, and that seems like it's based out of anxiety, right? Yeah. You're yeah, afraid yeah. that it'll go away. Yeah. Like, and I. I, I I told myself that in my mind I looked forever, but I really didn't. I didn't do, and I was in a I was in a comfortable enough situation. I was living at my mom's house. I had saved up a, a lot more money than I I once I put my mind to something like that. I'm like, all right, yeah. I saved a oh, lot yeah. more than I than than I than I thought I could, and then I took the first offer. Um, that that the first place that offered me. Not that it was a bad situation, but it could have been better. It was a basement. Um. Yep. You know, but this is a much, I'll be honest with you, much better basement than I had because uh, I had no sunlight whatsoever. Oof. So, and that that put that fit into my seasonal depression. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with the job. The first job offer I got after, I, you know, I took it. It wasn't ideal. Then the next offer I got, uh, it was better, mm-hmm. but, you know, I could have done my due diligence and kept looking. And I'm not in a bad situation, but I could be in a better situation. So yeah. that that impulsiveness does come from anxiety. Yeah. What would your biggest piece of advice to someone who is trying to be able to write and their depression is getting in the way? Don't well, force it. Don't force it? Don't force it. Just like, because I would like, I just started doing stuff that I like doing rather than sit there and be like, I need to write. I need to do better. I need to do this. Rather than do that, I was just like, nah, I'm just going to like, yeah, watch TV. Like I, I, I started watching stuff that I was like, I either forgot that I had seen or I hadn't seen before. I watched, um, I realized over over quarantine when I wasn't, when I was unemployed, I realized I had never seen life is beautiful the Roberto Benigni movie mm-hmm. cuz i was like why did, why was it such a big deal that 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 Roberto Benigni won an oscar or whatever the what, the movie won an oscar so i was like oh i've never seen it and i was like oh it's on hbo max mm-hmm. so one day i just watched it and i was like oh this is great mm-hmm. um it didn't it didn't get me going um creatively or anything like that but um i would say just don't force it just do what you're going to do and eventually you'll 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 get out of it on your own i think to get out of that funk, you have to, you 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 have to go out and do stuff. Yeah. You 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 don't even have to go out. You just have to do stuff. Watch a movie that you've never seen before. Read a book you've never read before. Um, like over quarantine, I I I rewatched The Wire and I started reading a book. Uh, it was basically the oral history of The Wire, and because that was like, all right, cool. As soon as I finished The Wire, I started listening to a Wire podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, all right, what's the next thing? I'm like halfway through season four of Sopranos now. And then I was really excited because many seasons of Newark came out. Mm-hmm. And that, because I started doing that, I'm started, I started thinking about just, just different shit. And that didn't necessarily translate to anything on stage, right? but it was just something to do. Yeah, it's, it's like... Um electroshock therapy for your intellect Mm. like you get a new jolt of something yeah or even um what's it what is it dopamine yeah like when you're like when you're enjoying something it's like oh shit this is dope i'm enjoying this and then it it, it, like that's it brings you out of that depression um i was i was very very depressed like you know last january man like i'm telling like i anything i would just start crying just like it was i was like any little thing 
And, um, you know, what didn't help also was like, you know, I, I, I feel like my purpose is helping people. Like if somebody comes to me with a problem and I, like, I, I couldn't, even, at that point I couldn't help myself, let alone somebody else. And that, that hurt. So like all these, like, what, like after a while, man, I was just like, all right. Ironically, it did kind of, I kind of broke out of it in the spring. Like once the, the winter like started, like, mm-hmm. I was like, all right. Winters are tough. Yeah. Well, I have everything I need. Okay. Do you, do you want to say anything else? Um, yeah, man. Just like, like I said, like, I think going to therapy is kind of like, I, it's, it's weird. Like when I started going to therapy, I think I didn't have a plan. I didn't have, I just, I started going to therapy because my, a friend from college, her friend was doing free consultations and she just wanted to kind of like, you know, get her, get her feet wet at the practice, practice she was at. And I've been with them ever since, even with a new therapist at the same practice. And I went into it because I was like, eh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you need you need clients. Sure. Maybe I'll take, I'll do a free consultation. That first consultation, man, I the floodgates opened and I ex- like I think early on I expected to figure out this like insane thing about myself. Mm-hmm. And and it was, I, I was like. I I knew things that I wanted to find out, and I'd already been doing been doing stand up. So I was like, I want to talk about my grandfather, so mm-hmm. I can discover new material. <laughs> I want to I want to find I want to find the funny in the trauma that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And along the way, I was like, well, I'm, what am I really getting out of this other than talking to somebody once a week or once every two weeks? And oddly enough, uh, I started like I said, I started in twenty. 2013 yeah like 2013 i started going to therapy and I, I oddly enough now is when i'm starting to, i'm like i'm realizing oh this is a subtle change a year or two ago i would have never advocated for myself the way i have been the last mm-hmm. few weeks yeah the last few days even like like the my last session was monday and my therapist pointed out she was like i hear confidence because I, I i got it took you know something happening at work for me to be like yo i don't deserve this yeah you know what i mean like i deserve better than this or at least mm-hmm. something different like why am i know i'm talented i belong somewhere where i'm using my talent mm-hmm. i don't see a future here it's great for now it's fine for now it pays the bills but i could be doing something better for the same for something else for the same amount of money mm-hmm. you know so i would say like if you're thinking about going to therapy or if you're in therapy and you don't feel like it's it's taking you anywhere, give it time, man. Because mm-hmm. it'll it'll come. That's it. All right. Well, thanks very much for doing this. Oh, man. Thanks, man. I, I love talking to you. It's great. Yeah. Thank you.